0: That's right, that's right. Y'all know what time it is. It's whatever time it is right now for you. Hey, welcome back to episode seven of Rift. Um, Sorry about the delay here on episodes. I've been doing a lot of job interviews and intensive college work. And now I'm getting a phone call, so let me just answer that. Hello. Hello? Yeah. Hi Kevin, this is Sharon Shurin. I have to see if we can send you an updated for a moment on insurance. I'm good. Thanks. Alright. So I want to thank everyone for listening. And again, I apologize for the slow. That was State Farm Insurance. They wanted to give me a quote. Um, slow upload on this one. And I really want to give a big thank you to Dustin for coming in and spilling his guts about the Home Depot with me. I hope you all enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun doing it. You know, those guest ones are fun. But now I'm just back here on the basement public radio. All by my lonesome talking about whatever we're going to talk about today so i guess just right off the bat quick job update i'm on i'm deep in the interviews three different places things seem to be going well i've got to do a million interviews and guest presentations guest presentation just presentation i have to do talk to all sorts of people about who i am One guy said I have to do, like, a culture fit test. They haven't haven't gotten back to me yet. Yeah, you know, I hopefully get a job soon, and then uh, I can stop doing this podcast. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kind of... Look, that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about, um, you know, something that's always sort of annoyed me in life. I live near a small airport, recreational airport, I guess you could say. But we are starting to get jet, jet traffic in there. Um, one thing that has always annoyed me are the planes flying over. They're loud. They're so loud, aren't they? Aren't they just loud? Aren't you? Sometimes I just want to enjoy some peace and quiet without some shitty Cessna flying over. And like a flying lawnmower. But, you know, every time they fly over... I think about the chemtrails that they're spitting out. And I'm joking about chemtrails because that's stupid. And anyone that believes in chemtrails is stupid. But these planes, these, these little internal combustion engine planes that are flying over, they use something special in their gasoline. They use fucking lead. And they just get to spew lead all over the air for everyone to breathe in so they can... Be have Like fly over and be like, Charlie Niner, <laughs> I'm flying. Like, look at that, that's bullshit. Um, So just, I started to dig into the whole lead thing. And the story's kind of crazy of why lead is in gasoline. And I guess I wanted to talk about that. I know there's probably podcasts that have already talked about this and did it much better than I am going to. But uh, You're here with me. So you get my take on this. So let's uh let's talk about it. Let's see where where did this shit come from? Why are we why are we just pumping lead all up in people's face holes? Why? Why was that a thing? Was it necessary? Short answer, come on. No. All right, you can turn you can turn off the podcast now. The answer is no. Um so it all started. It all, I need a sound effect for that. Hold on okay let's go back to 1916 so there's this dude his name is Thomas Midgley Jr and he comes from Ohio like all good things Um, and he was an engineer of some sort and he went to go work at the Delco Corporation which I guess if you know car parts I think it probably turned into AC Delco (laughs) I didn't really research that. I'm just going to assume that it did. So uh, you went to go work at the Delco Corporation. His boss was a guy named Charles Kettering, who apparently was a big smarty pants, and he invented a lot of things. Most notably, he invented the starter motor for cars, so like when your battery's dead, and it goes like... Really good sound effect. Um, That is the starter motor. His boss invented that. And uh, his boss, Charles, comes over to... Tommy Midgley Jr. and says, Hey dude, um, we got this problem. It's called engine knock. I want you to fix it. He's like, all right, what the hell's engine knock? And the boss is like, bro, how do you not even know? It's when fuel pre pre <laughs> maturely, I almost said pre ejaculate. It's when fuel pre ejaculates in the engine you know, before the piston gets to the top of the engine where the you want the fuel to blow up at, you know, the piston's at the like, highest point so it can exert all the force downward on the piston and spin the, the shit. The fuel's blowing up before that, man. We gotta fix that. So Thomas is like, cool, I'm on it. And his boss goes, just uh, a departing note, I've noticed that the plants outside our office, like one specific plant, even in the wintertime, Its leaves can be red. So um, (laughs) red probably has a lot of energy in it. You should see if the color red stops engine knock. And Thomas was like, all right, I'll start there, man. Thanks, boss. And he got on it. And he started uh, researching engine knock. And what you could do with fuel and gasoline to stop that from happening. Because, you know, when the engine knocks, it can, like, hurt the engine. You're not putting as much power out. So it's just inefficient. And, you know, it hurts your... It's your little engine, so no one wants that um so he started on his little journey of figuring out what engine knock was. this was in again nineteen sixteen it's when this dude started this um and allegedly, according to Wikipedia, he tested thirty three thousand compounds um mixing various chemicals and elements with fuel and figuring out also if I misspeak from a science perspective that's great I don't care <laughs> he tested all these things <laughs> and you know he wasn't really getting anywhere um he tested all sorts of shit it took him forever and then in 1921 he found out like after a lot of testing that heavy metals were good at reducing engine knock when you put heavy metals in Mike hit. You put heavy metals in gasoline. They reduce the ignition point, right? They, they make it more resistant to igniting prematurely ejaculating. And one of the heavy metals he tried was lead. And, uh, it was fucking great. That shit worked like gangbusters. Um, everyone loved it. <laughs> no one loved it yet, but he loved it because it worked. And he was finally done this project that he's been working on for five years. So, he came up with the, I guess, the ratio of lead to gasoline is one part lead for every 1,300 parts of gasoline. That's pretty small, right? It seems small. seems good. And lead, I think, already had been known to be bad for people for thousands of years at this point. Um, thousands? A long time. Let's just say a long time, okay? And knowing this, they named the, the compound tetral- tetraethyl lead tetra tetraethyl lead but then they made the street name the street name of it they just called it ethel so now ethel hits the streets and the car companies are going bananas for this shit they're like oh my god our cars are firing on all cylinders and they're firing at the proper times that's a direct quote from the car people um so they went around to various places. I guess they partnered with the DuPont company and DuPont has always been known as sort of like a leader in human compassion. And please do not look up the Bhopal, Bhopal disaster, RuPaul, where RuPaul killed thousands of people in India. But they partnered with DuPont and they set up a factory to make this, this tetraethyl lead. And uh, I guess that, or sorry, ethyl. They don't want to call it the, the the real name. They started making this shit in New Jersey, 1924. People start making it. And uh, I guess I should backtrack a little bit because 1924, they started making it like a lot. <laughs> they were making it before that too. Um, so 1924, they're making it. And then a bunch of workers at the New Jersey plant start uh, hallucinating, going insane and dying. Um, who knows why? I mean, maybe it was just the working conditions or maybe it's just part of living in New Jersey or maybe it's the lead fumes. That they've been breathing a whole bunch. Um, so that sort of started taking the, catching the eyes of people like, what the hell are you doing? Why are people just going crazy and dying? So that was at their, um, plant in Deepwater, water, New Jersey, eight people ended up dying there. um, So then other people were critical of how they were making it. So they created a new company to make this tetraethyl lead. And that new company was based in a different place in New Jersey because it's New Jersey. This is where you do this shit. And then within the first two months of that plant opening, uh, people had hallucinations. (laughs) They went insane and five people died. So... Um, just, I'm just eyeballing this Wikipedia article. It says people knew that lead was bad since at least 2000 BC. Okay. So that's cool. Um, meanwhile, while all this is happening, Thomas Midgley Jr. Did I ever say junior? He's a junior, which come on. He was in 1923. He took a sabbatical and went to Miami because he had lead poisoning. He said, I find my lungs have been affected and it is necessary to drop all work and get a large supply of fresh air. This is fresh air. Um, And then, so he went to Miami and then he came back to work later. He's like, I'm all good. could be somehow being in Miami. It really did the job. Um, So then there was a lot of criticism, I think, because of these factory deaths of people dying going insane and shit like that so he took it upon himself in 1924 to hold a press conference where to demonstrate the safety of this shit he poured it over his hands like he washed his hands in it he put a bottle of it under his nose and inhaled its vapor for 60 seconds declaring he could do this every day without succumbing to any problems motherfucker you just got back from Miami for succumbing hard you succumbed super hard. And so hard you had to go to Florida, which I mean, come on, that's already a big red flag. So we had this little press conference, despite this, New Jersey decided that the plant needed to be closed. Um, That sounds good. You know, like people are dying. New Jersey took it upon themselves and had that plant closed. But then the federal government intervened and said that we need high octane fuel for the military. So we can't just ban the production of the stuff. We fucking need it. Uh, at which point he took, Midgley took another leave of absence because he had lead poisoning again. That's super weird. Um, And that's sort of where Midgley, I guess, left off from lead. He just decided, okay, oh wait, I did miss something important. When they were going through these 30,000 compounds or whatever, it was like the Nate, The late 19-teens, let's say. And they've discovered that ethanol when coupled with gasoline, which today you might notice that a lot of gasoline has ethanol in it. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But ethanol helps prevent the engine from knocking or pre-detonation as well. The reason that they didn't want to use ethanol was, number one, you can't patent ethanol. You you, just, you can make that shit at home. It's not patentable. Number two, everyone, because of prohibition, was making that shit at home. So they didn't want people to just mix it up on their own for free and not get a sweet cut of those gasoline profits. So that's really the reason that they went with lead. They knew lead was bad. They decided to go with it because they didn't want people making their own shit. Um, which is just really fucked up. Um, so at this point, you know, leaded gasoline, it was just kind of flying high. It was, it was like, uh, it was part of fuel until 1996 when it was banned in the clean air act. Um, and it was banned with two exceptions. One was airplanes. Airplanes didn't need it. And I should say it's only, it's only like the annoying ass it's not jets. Those use essentially jet fuel. Which is basically kerosene. Um chemists, please shit on me right now. Um but it was just the annoying planes. They get they still to this day use lead. Then now they call it like low lead low-level lead. Or what is it? Ultra lead it's, it's something stupid. It still has fucking lead in it. So that Johnny airplane man can fly. <laughs> um and then it's also it was allowed to be used in race cars, which is a cool thing because then there's this story about how some researchers were wondering about the effect of leaded fuel in race cars. Because in uh, up until 2007, NASCAR was using leaded gasoline for their cars. So they sort of did a study centered around two racetracks, both in Florida, uh, Daytona and Homestead, and found that the test scores of students in schools nearby these racetracks went up in 2007 when they stopped using leaded gasoline. Um, So they could actually see an impact, like almost immediately, in people from Florida. I mean, I can't iterate enough how important that is because they're already super dumb. So just seeing them improve, I mean, everyone was really happy to see these Floridians really start to thrive when they weren't so addled With lead. So Tommy, Tommy Midgley, he moved on from lead. You know, I think he he knew deep down inside that he did the world a huge disservice. So I think he took it upon himself to really, in his next phase of his career, amp it up and help the Earth. And that is when he worked with another scientist to develop freon, uh, which is a chlorofluorocarbon... (laughs) And, and he really started making an old shit ton of CFCs. Now, if you grew up in the '90s, like I did, um, CFCs were kind of a big deal. They talked about them a lot. Maybe the maybe you remember a big ass, big ass hole in the uh, old ozone was caused by those. That hole is like pretty much gone, right? I think Ooh, science people, please. Um, so he also made fucking Freon. And managed to fuck up the entire globe two ways. I have never worked so hard at a job to fuck up the globe in one way. And this guy really did it. He just did a sweet ass number on us. And it's really impressive. I'm I'm surprised he was able to do that. Not many people know this guy. But he really fucked things up hard. Horde for a lot of people. And I'm... And I, I am implicating him as the number one reason for boomers and why they suck. They were just eating up chemicals all day, but primarily the lead. I'm going to blame the leaded gasoline. Um, although my dad would say when the DDT truck would come through their neighborhood, spraying for mosquitoes, all the kids would get on their bikes and ride behind it in the cloud. they would just like, inhale DDT. And that would explain why he forgot my birthday yesterday. He didn't send me anything. He sent me a text the day after my birthday, which is today. I'm recording this. um, That was about Cisco Systems. And it was just dumb. I didn't even read it. All I did was reply, thanks. So the boomers, I blame uh, Thomas Midgley Jr. for them. He was one of the greatest generation, I guess. The silent generation. Whatever. Whatever generation. It's not great. All I know is he fucked a lot of stuff up this stupid lead. And to this day, we still have these godforsaken, annoying airplanes spewing out lead over every, anywhere they fly for no real good reason. Right? What? If you fly a, a recreational aircraft for shame on you for shame. So Thomas Midgley, I mean, what's, what's his deal? What? how did he end up? What's his legacy? Where'd he go? he, In 1940, at the age of 51, and I swear I am not reading directly from Wikipedia, Midgley contracted polio and was left severely disabled. See, it didn't say seer severely on Wikipedia. So he made an elaborate system of ropes and pulleys to lift himself out of bed. So he made essentially some Looney Tunes level shit where he had ropes all over his limbs and he could lift himself out of bed. And, uh, that was in 1940 on November 2nd, 1944. At the age of 55, he was found dead in his Worthington home, (laughs) his home in Worthington, Ohio. He had been killed by his own device after he became entangled in it and died of strangulation. Now, his family says he actually just killed himself, but I don't know. I mean you know was it suicide was it machine side did he looney tunes himself to death? was he just so ridiculously filled with lead that he didn't even know what he was doing? I don't know, but uh he did a he did a real good service to the world um some people say he has. One guy on Wikipedia said he had the most adverse impact on the atmosphere than any other single organism in Earth's history. This motherfucker... I mean, that's a prestigious uh, shade being thrown at this dude. But I agree. I think he sucks. And all because they didn't want people making their own alcohol in their house to mix up with their gas hole. It's bullshit. So... Whenever you think about those planes flying overhead and how stupid they are, just remember they're actually more stupid than you give them credit for. And any recreational aircraft pilots, I really want you to know that you're stupid as well. And your plane is stupid, and I think it looks dumb. And it sounds dumb. Like, at least paint them cool colors. Why are they all white? Stupid. Why aren't they pink? Huh? 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 Anyway, check this out. Just pick the right fuel. A fuel with high anti-knock value. This is from the Ethel Corporation. High anti-knock
1: rating in gasoline is important in more ways than one.
0: 1956. For
1: example, there's pre-ignition. A problem that can give quite a bit of trouble in some engines. Mm-hmm. But don't blame the engines. They're designed and built to really get the road out from under you. <laughs> the trouble comes when these jobs get fouled up in low speed, start and stop city traffic. This kind of driving causes a buildup of carbon deposits in the combustion chamber there. Fucking
0: carbon. They're blaming carbon. These
1: deposits may get red hot and set off the new fuel air charge. This too early ignition of fuel causes detonation, which the motorist can't tell from ordinary fuel knock. In a sense, a pre-igniting engine is working against itself. Mm -hmm. This fight between the pre-ignited fuel and the rising piston causes loss of power and poor gas mileage. There are two ways to lick the pre-ignition problem.
0: Lick that shit.
1: One of them is by putting a special additive in the gasoline, which prevents these carbonaceous
0: deposits what addit- the what additive?
1: from becoming incandescent and causing pre-ignition. Another is by using a fuel with sufficiently high octane rating oh. so that the fuel air charge will not knock, even when pre-ignited by glowing deposits. How do you get higher octane? resist the high temperature and pressures that cause fuel knock. What can we put in there? In other words, it's again a question of picking the right fuel. But how do I pick it? don't get me wrong Most all the fuels for sale today are good fuel Oh, okay In fact, they all actually it. produce practically the same amount of heat energy when they burn
0: So everything's the but same that's
1: not the way an automobile driver measures power mm. All the fuel energy in the world won't do the driver any good Unless it's converted into driving power mm-hmm. And you know as well as we do what happens to driving power when an engine starts to knock Sure But we just saw that on our little spin up the hill What? And it can happen under any kind of heavy pull so, for top engine performance and long engine yes. life, the answer is high octane gasoline. But how? It's a scientifically proved fuel fact. The higher the octane number of a gasoline, the greater its ability to resist knocking under high temperatures and pressures. Okay. That's why gasoline manufacturers, even with their excellent modern refining methods. Yeah. Had lead there it is you fucking it.
0: you said it's blood, lead you asshole it took you that long to tell me that, that shit this video is like 40 minutes long by the way and i just clipped you know just a very short piece to be a, a prick about it but come on guys we're better than this can we put why don't we put like cat pee in everything what do we we need to expand our horizons and figure out this is shitty stuff we can put in everything and with that um, <laughs> i'm gonna leave It's been great. I really want to get more guesty people on as well. So if you want to be on the show, God, it sounds desperate. I'm like a desperate housewife. I'm like Terry Hatcher. If you want to be interviewed by me, Terrence Hatcher, hit me up. And, uh, if you don't, don't, I don't know. Just live your life. And, uh, Oh, I forgot to use the science music. Lead all up in your shit. How do you feel about the lead in your shit? On a very special episode that you've already heard of Rift, you can hear about the lead in your shit. This episode has been brought to you by Lead. Also, Thomas Midgley Jr., and his suicide rope machine. This is Basement Public Radio. I'm your host, Kevin. And also a special shout-out to State Farm for calling me while I was recording this. I've not been sponsored by them, but they, you're in good hands on this farm. State, state, all, all farm. I love you guys. Have a great day.